There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. Back to Bears, and we've got an expert in the global headquarters today. Myron Means, the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, large carnivore biologist, which inside of that title fits Ursus Americanus, the black bear. Myron Means is in the office, and we continue to dig into the nitty-gritty of bears. We talk about this year's bear season and have a great conversation. I always love talking to biologists. You're going to enjoy this podcast. There are several muzzleloader seasons that are still going on across the country, and you should check out CVA muzzleloaders. CVA has a full line of muzzleloaders. You heard my story last week about falling in a creek when I was carrying my Acura mountain rifle across a creek, and the gun went underwater. The breech plug went underwater for about two seconds. I pulled it out, came back to the truck, and fired the gun just to see if it would fire, and it did. The real question you should be asking is, why did I fall in the creek? Well, I was crossing the creek without a light, and it was a long story. But the real other question you need to be asking yourself is, why don't you have a CBA muzzleloader? Historically, muzzleloaders have been undependable in wet weather. This was the ultimate test, and they've got a really tight system. The breakover guns with the breech plugs that you can unscrew with your hands are hard to beat. CVA also has a great warranty on their guns. If you're not happy with a gun, you can return it within 14 days, you know, with proof of purchase and some other stuff, but you get your money back. Check out our buddies at CVA for all of your muzzle loading needs. I am very excited about 
getting into coon hunting this winter. My schedule usually is I coon hunt a fair bit during the summer and in the early fall, and then I take a hiatus while I'm deer hunting and bear hunting, and then I come back to coon hunting about mid-December. And if you don't have a coon dog, you need one. But if you have a coon dog or any kind of dog, a pet dog, bear dogs, squirrel dogs, beagle dogs, Labradors, whatever you have, if you're buying dog stuff, buy it from our friends at W Hunting Supply. Buddy Woodbury and his team have assembled an incredible customer service experience from all the products they offer to the support that they offer to their customers. Buddy and W, they're well known for being Garmin dealers. They have the Garmin 200 Alpha I. Check out W for all of your hound supply needs. Northwoods Bear Products, the best commercial sense made for baiting black bear. You're going to want to check them out. Check out their bear grease. You hear me rant, rant about it constantly. We use this stuff. It's great stuff. Get ready for spring 2021 and your bear baiting. Check out our buddies at Northwoods Bear Products. And lastly, our buddies at the Western Bear Foundation. They're a nonprofit hunting conservation organization fighting the good fight for conservationists and hunters and people that love to procure healthy organic protein through bear hunting. These guys are fighting the good fight out west where there's a lot of things going on that are a threat to bear hunting. So join our friends organization, Western Bear Foundation. So that 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 bear right there is that bear. Oh, really? And that picture, this photograph oh. I took right where I killed that bear. Really? Yes, he was he was laying right here. He had his head laid on that rock right there. Oh, baby. And I was I was up like about 60, Where's 70 his yards. Den entrance? Oh, oh yeah. I, he, I never saw a den. Okay. I mean, there was uh, – he was just sunbathing. Yeah. But he was laid on that rock, and there was no – there was no dens that I could see anywhere. But uh, anyway, he was – he was just laying there. I saw him roll over. That's what I saw from 60 <laughs> yards away. I saw his feet go up in there like this. <laughs> and then I just stalked down and was able to shoot him, man. It was a wild deal. And there was, after I, you know, killed a bear and was, you know, getting him out and stuff, we started seeing bear sign all over that side of the mountain. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was going much more than a couple hundred yards either direction. No. But there was white oak acorns all over the mountain that mm-hmm. year. And, uh, yeah, I'll, that, that animal right there, to me, I'll never kill another animal that I'm more proud of. I may yeah. kill another one that I'm as proud of. Well, that's a pretty unique experience. I mean, you could hunt the rest of your life like a banshee during bear season and never be able to replicate that experience. Well, and what was cool was I was after a bear, and I had been after one for a long time. And... I've learned something since that time, though, and that is they're easier to kill in the mountains in the early season. My reasoning back then was, you know, our bear season goes to November 30th. Mm -hmm. I'm recording, by the way. Our our bear season in Arkansas goes to November 30th. Was that in the late season, the leaves were all gone and you could see good. Yeah. That was kind of what I thought because, you know, you start hunting a bear in early October in Arkansas, it's going to be hot. You can't see more than 40, 50 yards in any direction. But unfortunately, the bears are usually gone by then, Yeah, too. the bears are <laughs> slow moving by then. 
And what I learned was you're way better off with a bow and arrow in the early season mm-hmm. than you are. I mean, I, I, I ended up having more success. Right now is a super tough time to kill a bear. But, hey, I'm at, we're at the global headquarters, and I've got, uh, I've got Myron Means with me. Myron works for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. He is the large carnivore biologist. And you've been on the podcast before. I have. Uh, first time to the global headquarters, though. First time to the global headquarters. <laughs> Man, I love it. This is a really nice place. Well, uh, you of all people could probably appreciate some of these Arkansas bears hanging in here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, I really appreciate you coming up. So you, uh, being a large carnivore biologist, you were the bear biologist. That's right. And your name changed. And, and we're going to talk about this at a later time, more in depth, but large carnivore biologist, what else does that entail? Mountain lions. Mountain lions. Yep. Well, uh, that's pretty incredible. And we're, we're intentionally not talking about that for, because we will at yep. some point, but um, black bears. You, uh, what what trends did you see? I've honestly not paid a ton of attention this year to the quotas and different things. Uh, what what's the bear season in Arkansas been like? Bear season in Arkansas this year is uh, without a doubt it's going to be a record harvest year. Mm. And that is uh, solely attributed to the fact that we raised the Bears on One quota, which is the Ozarks quota. Yeah. We raised the Bears on One quota from 250 to 400 bear or 500 total. Really? So See, 400 I, I with archery and 50 muzzleloader, 50 modern gun, but it's a cumulative quota. Yeah. So that means uh, when muzzleload season comes in, you add 50 more bears to the 400. When modern gun season starts, you add another 50 bears and and so the 50 stacked on top of the 400 stacked on top of the 450 so it's a cumulative total total and i think a lot of people didn't really understand that this year will you will you break you just did break it down but will Mm -hmm. you break it down even slower sure like so archery season starts the Mm -hmm. fourth saturday in september that's correct it will I mean, for the foreseeable future in Arkansas, if you're wondering about when you need to take vacation or something like that, just look on the calendars for the next few years anyway. Yeah. Archery season will coincide with deer archery season, which is, for the foreseeable future, probably going to be the fourth Saturday in September. Uh, The muzzleload season will begin the third Saturday in October. Okay. And the modern gun season will usually start the second Saturday in November. Okay. And the Saturday prior to that is going to be a youth modern gun season. So the first Saturday in November is going to be a youth weekend. Yeah. Second Saturday in November is going to be the modern gun deer and bear season. So yeah. That's uh that's just kind of the way we've uh We've set the same framework for the foreseeable future to coincide deer season with bear season. I mean, if people are going to be out there bear hunting, they can deer hunt. If they're going yeah. to be deer hunting, they can bear hunt. Yeah, so it's a, it, it really is a great opportunity. So tell me how the quota works with archery. So archery season starts, mm-hmm. and first of all, there's there's two main bear zones in Arkansas. Zone one, which is the Ozark zone. That's correct. Zone two, which would be the Washtaw zone. That's correct. Zone. Yep. No, no quota in zone two. 
No, uh, you know, we kind of figured out several years ago that because of the land ownership and the way the Washita zone is laid out, Bear Zone 2 is laid out, you have a big contiguous block of public land, which is the Ozark National Forest. That's kind of the core. Or excuse me, Washita National Forest. Uh, It's kind of the core nucleus of that bear population. And uh, there's bear outside the Washita National Forest, but the National Forest acts as a nucleus. And because there's not a lot of private land interspersed within that contiguous block, a lot of those bears aren't really uh, susceptible to being harvested, say, over bait or something like that. So it's really kind of a self-limiting situation. Uh, regardless of, you know, what we do in zone one, they're typically going to harvest kind of the same amount of bears about every year. So, yeah. So, so zone one has the quota. Yes. And, um, so the quote, so the archery quota would, is how much? Uh, it was 250 this year. We raised it to, uh, 400. 400. And that seems like a substantial jump, and it was a substantial jump. But uh, because of the way we framed our regulation process, uh, we can only recommend regulations every other year. Now, uh, we used to be able to recommend every year, so we could change them. You know, we could take a baby step this year and then a baby step the year after. Yeah. Uh, but the way it's set up now is we can only propose every other year. And last year we weren't able to adjust it up. So this year was kind of a little bit of a makeup from not being able to adjust it last year. And so, so what that would mean would be you, archery hunters could kill up to 400 bears mm-hmm. before the season closed. So That's the right. season, you know, in theory, they could kill 400 bears in three days and the season mm-hmm. would close and it wouldn't open back up again until muzzleloader season when you added 50 more bears to that quota. Okay. And if they shot, uh, say if they shot 50 bears during the muzzleload season uh, by Monday, then the bear season would close again. Yep. The following Monday after the opening weekend of muzzleload, and it would not open again until youth weekend of modern gun, which yep. would add 50 more bears starting at that point. Yeah. Uh, it kind of confused people a little bit this year because it's, it's a cumulative quota, and uh, they did not meet the quota this year with archery. Uh, I think didn't. when we went into – Muzzleload season, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I think we were sitting somewhere around 380 bears maybe when muzzleload season started. So we hadn't met the quota. But when that opening day of muzzleload season hits, those 50 bears were added to the previous 400 quota. So we could have killed 70 more bears. Right. So instead of, uh, you know, the quota being hit or instead of saying, well, we got 20 more bears with archery we can kill and you can kill 50 with muzzleloader, that just confuses. That just muddies the water. Yeah. So the easiest thing to do is say, okay, it was 400 bears up until the opening day of muzzleload season. And then that adds 50 more bears. So now the quota is 450. And because, you know, any season in Arkansas, you can hunt with a lesser weapon. Right. So when muzzleload season closed nine days later, 
the quota was still 450 bears, but you could continue to hunt with archery. With archery. That makes sense. So. And so we, uh, so basically as a, a management decision that you guys made was, hey, we can take out 500 bears out of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so where do we stand right now? Today's November the 23rd. Yes, November the 23rd, and our zone one total right now stands at 449. 449. Yeah, so 51 and, uh, more bears until November 3rd. Well, and I bet I bet they won't kill them. Do you no, think they will? I don't think they will. Uh, really, since uh, I'd have to go back and look at the day-to-day, -day, but I think when – uh, when youth modern gun season started, I believe we were at 400 and maybe 20. Really? So only 20 bears got killed either during, during yeah, with the, since the youth modern gun and the wow. opening weekend of deer season. That just tells you a lot about bear activity yeah. because it really there's a does. ton of guys hunting national forest mm -hmm. with a bear tag in their pocket. Yeah. It, it, in Arkansas, everybody that's got a sportsman's license, yep. which is our sportsman's license, or I think that's what it's called, mm -hmm. you, you get turkey tags, deer tags, you get a bear tag. Mm -hmm. So in Arkansas, you don't have to go buy nope. a specific bear tag. Nope. So everybody's got a bear tag. And I would, I bet 90% of Arkansas deer hunters would shoot a bear if they saw it. Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah. I mean, there's probably the I odd, there's probably odd guy that might be like, I, I'm not going to shoot. Especially it. if they knew, you know, the season was still open and everything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, they're probably not going to meet the quota. Uh, today was a, or today, this year was a really lean year for mast availability. Yeah. There was not a lot of mast on the ground. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of the bears started turning in, especially the uh, pregnant females, probably the sows. They probably were starting to uh, enter the dens as early as late October. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I'll be darned. And, uh, you know, you can tell by the way it trickled in through the youth gun season uh, and the opening of the deer gun season the adult season you can just tell i mean one or one bear checked every day or one or two bears checked every day you can tell when it's like that they're just not out on the landscape yeah well that's what's so interesting always has been to me and a lot of people don't understand is that you know our our winters are relatively mild compared mm -hmm. to especially north of us yeah but these bears are dinning based upon food availability That's and correct. then the females are obligate dinners which mean and mm -hmm. these are all words i probably learned from you myron <laughs> um obligate dinners meaning they're the only bear that actually has to den because yeah. they're they have their cubs and their reproductive cycle takes right. place when they're in the den but if there was a bunch of mass crop on the ground the bears would be more active. They would be. They'd be staying out, and it's it's really kind of an issue of energy dynamics with bears. Uh, I tell people all the time, bears don't den in response to cold weather because they certainly don't. We've we've tracked females in February uh, doing den checks on them when they're laying on top of the ground with four inches of snow covering them and two cubs sitting under their belly. I mean, crazy. The, the cold is not a factor with bears. It's yeah. food availability. So, uh, you know, if they fed up, had a good late summer and early fall and they're really fat, the pr pregnant females are going to enter the den cycle and they're going to stay. 
uh, if there's enough food on the landscape, it may push their entrance into that den cycle a little later. Instead of being late October, it may be mid-November. Yeah. Uh, females with yearlings uh, or cubs of that year, uh, you know, they'll stay out later. If it, they're not going to be in an energy deficit finding food walking around all day then they'll stay out later that's a, that's a good way to say it that's a good biological term i'm going to put in my repertoire right. an energy deficit that's right so they're going out they're they're burning calories mm-hmm. pounding the mountain mm-hmm. trying to find food if they're not getting as many calories as they're expending they're going to sleep right is that right that's right yeah. if it's not worth if if they end up at an energy deficit then there's no point in doing Man, it every if day. my hunting was calculated that way, Myron, <laughs> I would stay home and play golf, man. I am at a massive a energy. I am, I am I am at a massive energy deficit this year because I have expended a lot of calories I in know, the woods. I need to be at an energy deficit because I put on a little too much weight, but uh, uh it uh you know and it 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 progressively gets less, I guess, um less specific or less important when you move to males you know males uh you know they're not hard dinners like females and uh you know in any given warm day uh a male is likely to emerge from a den walk around sniff around a little bit and because they're not locked into a den really for a specific amount of time with either yearlings or cubs that are being born i mean you know a lot of times males will emerge from the den usually by late january early february if it's really really cold yeah they'll just tuck in and sleep it off but yeah if there's still acorns on the landscape in december sure a lot of males will get out and forage yeah even in december you know this is really telling to me uh i've bear hunted in east tennessee Mm -hmm. with some houndsmen yeah, and they've got these super late bear seasons. Yeah, that go into uh, I think the Tennessee bear season, and it may be structured different, but for the region we were in, their season went to December fifteenth. Yeah, and those guys find bear tracks every day. Yeah, and and, and it's ninety percent of the time males. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably set that way to specifically target males. And, I mean, if they still have a quote a fairly young population or uh you know they're still trying to grow their population yeah they're going to do things to target males yeah and it blows my mind because you know over in the appalachians there i mean they're at some high, pretty fairly high elevations at least compared to here i mean they got mountains six thousand foot tall mm-hmm. and it's cold <laughs> in late november and december i mean mm-hmm. like single digits sometimes and these guys load up their hounds and yeah rig bears and strike a track yep. and uh run bears and and do real well i mean and it and it's they'll tell you i mean they're paying attention to the nuances between the different years i've only been over there once with them during that time period and i mean we ran bears every day i mean you wouldn't have you would have just thought bears were just up on their feet like crazy yeah. all males yeah and uh but uh i think they would say there's years when it's not that good Maybe the year I was there was exceptionally good. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, if there's a lot of mass. You know, I would say it's probably going to determine a lot how the uh, late summer and fall 
was going into the season. Yeah. You know, if the bears are really, really fat and have a lot of fat on, and then it just turns off really cold, um, you know, that I don't know, but that might be a bad year. You know, I see they're just like, hey, I'm good to go. Yeah. Good. I'm just going to lay. I wonder how they, uh, like, we gauge our energy levels day to day i feel like based upon whether we're full or not like literally like if we've eaten and our stomachs feel full yeah these bears are gauging their understanding of their health and long-term you know ability to survive based upon fat reserves Mm -hmm. have you ever heard anybody talk about that i'd never have but just do you see what i'm saying because their their belly is not going to be full of food Yeah, what's telling their brain what's yeah yeah it's it's almost like there's got to be a different receptor that's like hey boys we got plenty of fat we're just going to burn this today don't worry about getting up and eating i would say that those are probably you know physiological clues that they've evolved to because it doesn't work that way with humans does it yeah it certainly doesn't work that way with me (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, uh, but then again, my life doesn't depend on finding an acorn for food. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of a fascinating deal. The whole dynamics of, you know, their physiology and the processes they go through, you know, for den cycles is, uh, it's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell it's not something they just evolved into over a few generations. I yeah. mean, you're talking about millennia. Yeah. Of evolution. That is, you know. Yeah. And they have, they have refined it to the point of no other. (laughs) Yeah. Man, if, if that's what's so interesting at looking at these animals from a biological level and trying to understand even just the, the kind of the small level of understanding that we probably really have. It's incredible. And, and, um, well, you know, for years and years in the scientific community, you know, bears bears weren't categorized as true hibernators. They were right. estivators, you know, because uh, they can arouse spontaneously, whereas true hibernators like groundhogs, woodchucks, they, they can't. Uh, but because bears can arouse spontaneously, they said, well, you know, they just don't exhibit some of the traits of true hibernators. and. Uh, They've sent the scientific community has since turned around and said, Well, you know, they are true hibernators in a sense, mm. but technically, they're probably some of the most efficient hibernators in the animal world, really, because of the way they can they can basically turn on and off. You know, their body processes that mm-hmm. allow them to go into this torpor and everything, whereas a true hibernator can't. You know, they So what so you're you don't realize what you just said no. and how it affected me because I have made a living, Myron, off <laughs> correcting people. <laughs> Every people that have listened to this podcast yeah. Yeah. have heard me harp on when people say a bear hibernates, I go, no, 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 no. They don't hibernate. Bears don't hibernate. So you're telling me this is wrong? Well, technically, in a true <laughs> sense of the definition, you know, of the word, bears are not true hibernators. Okay. Uh, but they certainly exhibit body processes that, that true could... hibernators use. Okay. The thing that makes them, quote, not a true hibernator in the historic sense of the word is the fact that they can turn on and off 
those body processes that define a true hibernator. Right. Uh, basically meaning them, they can wake up. Them, but some of them. Yeah, basically means they can wake up right. instantly. They can arouse instantly, which they always do when we're doing our den work. They yeah. always wake up. They always know you're there. Uh, their motor, their muscles aren't at a, their body temperature never does fall at a low rate like a true hibernator does. Okay. Uh, but their heart rate and things like that will lower to a great degree okay. from what it is. But their body temperature doesn't lower that much. So It'll there's some, some things that could categorize this hibernation could. in short periods, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying. But you my worldview is not wrecked. Yeah. I, I think I still got some credibility. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> fascinating. You know, reading in the literature when they talk about, well, you know, bears aren't true hibernators, but they're probably the most efficient hibernators. Efficient in the animal world because they're able to just turn it on and turn it off almost at will. Wow. So uh, it's pretty remarkable. Wow. You know? Well, when you think about. What's happened ecologically across North America, and you see how successful bears are being oh, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. I mean, they're they're opportunistic omnivores that just have survival built down into this like incredible efficiency. Like you're they saying, they really do. And really, you know, we've I guess we've kind of found out all across uh, you know North America that really. All bears really need is pretty good habitat. Yeah, and uh, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna thrive. I mean, you know they're not gonna just boom like some other animals will on like landscape. A or and they're, yeah, like a whitetail or even coyote. They're not gonna adapt to urban environments only. Yeah. Uh, but we have found out that you know because bears are opportunistic omnivores. Uh, man, just give them a little bit of good habitat and they'll do fine. Um. I want to, I guess this is a good, this is a good place to tell you this story. So I saw a bear, because we're talking about like, this is a difficult time to hunt bears, to see bears. It's bear season in Arkansas. Yep. And uh, I I saw a bear two days ago in National Forest. Yeah. When you told me that, I said, man, that was, you're pretty fortunate. (laughs) What was wild is it broke all the rules. It broke all the rules of my, of what, I mean, it was the, I was deer hunting, man. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. it was the last thing I expected to see. I knew I was in good bear country. I mean, any other time of the year, I would have thought, yeah, there's a chance I could oh, see yeah. a bear, but there was no bear sign. I mean, like I'd been over that country pretty good and uh, no bear sign, didn't have any bear pictures. I had a few cameras out and, um, uh, Man, I, I did an all-day hunt. I, or I, you know, I got in after daylight just because I walked back in there, but s- sat in the tree for nine hours <laughs> in middle of the day. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I mean, you know, it was the warmest part of the day. Probably did. Yeah. But it was at 11.52. I looked down and uh, saw a bear, a good-sized bear. Byron, I, I, can't, I, w- I won't say it was a big one, but – Considering that it was still up and it was alone, I mean, I would assume it was a male. I'm sure it was. I mean, yeah. uh, probably a pretty good chance it was a male. And uh, it just looked, to me, it looked like a 250-pound bear, mm-hmm. you know. I could tell it had a thick, nice coat. And uh, it was across a boundary line that I could not 
there was a property line there. I was on public land, but it was a uh, anyway. I couldn't I couldn't shoot the bear, which was crazy because that it, it was <laughs> I wasn't there because of the the property change. But anyway, it was in a place that I I I couldn't shoot the bear, but it was man. I, I mean, I'll take that memory and yeah. like chalk it down as almost the equivalent of a of taking an animal i mean because i can count on well i'm starting to have a few more encounters these days but very very few times do i actually see a bear on public land yeah like you know i've killed some that way but it's tough man and it's a it's a great man we've kind of built especially on years like this year you know when mass availability was very lean uh you know and and that kind of it's i said you were fortunate because i'd been watching the harvest you know updating the harvest totals every day and i could tell by the end of muzzleload season which was 20 something of october right i could tell by then that you know harvest rates for i mean down to just a scant few one or two bears a day maybe something like that and you're talking about you know all the hunters across the landscape uh you know it's uh there's a lot of deer hunters out there and when you're only harvesting one maybe two bears across all zone one you know that's just translates to me the bears just aren't out yeah so i knew it was getting pretty lean uh you know going into the modern gun season and everything else and of course the harvest reports show evidence of that it's just bears just aren't out there man when the food's Uh, not there they'd just rather turn in I must have been pretty close to that bear's den. I figure so. I mean, I, you know, and a lot of times in the Washtals, what we've seen in the Washtals is probably 30 or 40% of the bears that den just make day nests or make a nest on top of the ground. Really? And that's different than the Ozarks? Yeah. yeah. And do you think it's because of rock cavity availability? I think so. Limestone formations are a lot more prevalent in the Ozarks than they are in the Washtals. And, as I said before, you know, bears don't really, they don't really need, you know, to be out of the elements, so to speak. That uh, makes so. zero sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a bear could dig a hole. He could, yeah. I mean, there's not as many rock cliffs in the Washtals. I mean, there's very much less, but it wouldn't be hard for a bear to find a crevice in a rock to get or in. dug out under a tree a tree that's fallen over and just dig out under it which is what most of the cavities are in the washtals or dugouts dugouts and then uh but you know you have a fair piece of uh bears that just scratch up a bunch of leaves and grass and sit right on top of the ground now they're they're going to be chances are they're going to be in the middle of a thicket or something yeah. some really really thick area yeah and they'll just scratch it out and making big bird nest right on top of the ground that's crazy so Um, i figure you were probably pretty close to this bear's den i mean you know they may limit their activity to maybe an hour or two a day you know yeah so yeah well it was a i've made it like a like a holiday if i see a bear in national forest (laughs) i mean really i i I was just thrilled to see that bear and it was cool because i wasn't expecting last thing i was expecting so that's always a good that's a good day in the mountains when you see a bear uh um so if you guys up the quota that must mean that our bears are doing good you know they really are they're doing great uh they're doing great in the 
Washita, they're doing great in the Ozarks. I mean, you know, we still have uh, bears moving into northeast Oklahoma. We still have bears moving in the south central Missouri. You know, yeah. presumably expanding out from our Ozark population. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've known for a few years that we needed to start throttling up on our harvest to kind of maybe stabilize those populations. And, uh, you know, we we were probably behind a little bit on, uh, you know, the increases that we've made. So we made a little bit bigger jump. Uh, we think the population can certainly withstand it. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it rocks along at uh, 500 bears for a couple of years and kind of see how the population responds. And, you know, we may at some point in the future have to back it off a little bit, but uh, I would be willing to bet we're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it feels like we kill a lot of bears in Arkansas at 500 bears, but boy, it puts into perspective for me, like a lot of these, uh, like the Great Lakes states, Wisconsin, Michigan. I mean, I think Michigan kills 3,000 bears a year. Uh, yeah, I think Pennsylvania, I think they kill 9,000. It's year. incredible. Seven to 9,000, something like that, typically. Wow. So, but I mean, they harvest more bears than we probably have in our entire state. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, this year so far today, we're up to 648, which surpasses our previous record harvest year of 533. Now, how could we, okay, then I don't understand the quota. How, we've killed 600 bears this year? Yeah, but that's bears on one, bears on two, bears on five, that's right. bears on five. Day. Gotcha. So how many bears have they killed in the Washtos this year? 194. Wow. Which is going to be a record year for the Washtals as well. 194. Mm-hmm. I'll be darn. Okay. That is, yeah, I think, seems so like. So we're a hundred and what? Uh, we're a hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Above our previous harvest record statewide. Yeah. Today. I'll and we'll darn. probably have, I don't know, we'll break 650, but maybe not by much. Be killed. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Now, Myron, you're a bear hunter. You do some bear hunting. I do. Yeah. Tell me about y'all's y'all's season. <clears throat> well, I'm a little – I don't know. I don't know if I want to tell too many. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tell I'll just shoot it straight. I hunt, I hunt bear. Uh, I hunt on private land. We have a lease, and I have some uh, really good friendships that I've developed uh, from people in Texas and people in Nebraska, and we share hunts back and forth. And uh, we're in a lease together. And, uh, uh, I usually, because our lease, you know, is about 40 minutes from my house. Uh, I usually kind of take care of most of the baiting and we have some really, really great landowners that have some nice lodging facilities on the lease for us. And we're able to just kind of have the run of the place, so to speak. And, uh, so we had, uh, we ended up having seven hunters this year because one of the uh one of my friends instead of him hunting he brought his 11 year old son and his 18 mm. year old daughter nice and he wanted to put them on the stand instead of him hunting and so out of seven hunters we were we harvested five bears out of our camp this year it's good and uh one of the guys that chose not to harvest bears he actually had uh several opportunities at mm. some younger bears 
Uh, he had a golden opportunity at a collared female that uh, showed up on her lease. <laughs> and uh, we can't, no, we can't, can't harvest a collared bear, but he got some really good pictures of her. It was a great experience. Did you know what bear it was? I do know which bear it was. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this particular bear's collar has quit working. Oh, no. And we lost her last year. And uh, there was no reason because it was a brand new collar, but it was some type of malfunction. And mm. it has to be that bear, but she doesn't have a working collar. But I know she was den probably pretty close in that area, so I plan on catching her this spring when she oh, comes okay. out. So, okay. Uh, she'll have cubs with her, I suspect. Mm. So uh, she's going to be pretty close. Yeah. And uh, I'll catch her this spring when yeah. she comes out. She have an or- one of those orange collars mm-hmm. on? Yeah, a bright orange collar. I'll be darned. Yep. Huh. I'm pretty sure that's the bear it had to be. And I went in with my telemetry gear when we were baiting, and uh, she was pretty consistent at a couple of the different barrels. And I knew she had to be right there, and I ran through all my frequencies and didn't have them. Oh. But because of the proximity of where she's at, it could really only be one of the, I see. one bear that I caught. That's her some good a intel. Years ago, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, really, I mean, when you break it down, the only person that didn't have a chance or harvest a bear out of our camp was the bear biologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the way it always works? The guy That's that does the way all it the always work is, yeah, gets it works the short the hardest, end the gets the short end. But, uh, you know, it was a great year. I didn't have too much heartburn about it. I never do. I mean, anytime you can you can fill five tags out of a yeah. bear camp, it, it was a really good year, so yeah uh i was really happy with that so uh that's good but it was uh it was a good year i mean it was really uh it was a perfect year to set up for you know for baiting on private land and really i mean if you had the right circumstances it was really a perfect year for someone to hunt public land too and you know that's something that you and i've talked about in the past about public land bear hunting you know hunting bears specifically on public land yep and I have people tell me all the time, they said, man, you know, it's, well, you know, you bear hunt on private land, you got a good lease, it's easy. Well, it's not really easy. It's never a sure thing. Yeah. It is a lot of hard work. And I think a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them this, but, you know, given the right circumstances in a year with sparse mast availability, you know, really, if you can find that one white oak flat, or that yep. one white oak on a flat that's really throwing good mass that year. Yeah. You know, that can be as effective. Right. By far and away, as effective as a bait site. It can actually be more effective because if you've baited for any length of time, you know that when the white oaks get ripe, all the bears leave the bait sites and go eat the white oaks. That's right. <laughs> so... uh and uh, really, you know, I, I just I tell people if you can hit, if the mast availability is right when it's kind of lean or sparse, uh, and you go out and you find those natural bait sites, those white oaks, those white oak flats that you see all the sign at that you would at a bait barrel, they can be just as effective, if yeah. not more effective, than a bait barrel. And you. Tell them what you told me about time, kind of yeah, your theory on you know, time spent. My theory on time spent, I, I tell people, I said, you know, they say, well, baiting's easy. Well, it's not. I mean, if, if it's done right, if it's done the way I'm going to do it every year, and you count all the time, all the hours you spend going to your lease or your land, 
clearing shooting lanes preseason, uh, maybe moving stands preseason. Gathering then, bait. Gathering that bait. Takes a lot oh of time. my gosh, if I could tell you the amount of hours that I yeah. spent opening bread packages yeah, and exactly. everything else going to get the bait. I mean, and if you're baiting on a, you know, a real regimented bait schedule once every two or three or four days and yeah. You know, it's it is a lot of time. I mean, you're going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing it right. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you know, if you spent the equivalent amount of time surveying a public area that you knew pretty well and really fine tuned, you know, your knowledge of that area, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that you could successfully hunt bear on natural bait sites just as effectively as you can on uh, I, man-made bait I sites. I think that's a good a good perspective and a good way to look at it is that, yeah, I, and I think you're right. I think if you, if you really spent that much time, here's the problem. Here's the mental challenge with doing that is – when you're baiting bears, you're seeing them, you're getting pictures yeah. of them. Yeah. And let's say you've got 30 hours. Like if you did the math, <laughs> you know, you're like two hours mm-hmm. here, two hours here, you got 30. Well, you're going to go put 30 hours, you know, in the stand or on the ground hunting. Mm-hmm. And for those 30 hours, you're probably not going to see very many bears. But you might kill one. Yeah. That's what I always say about public yeah. land hunting is that you can't be validated emotionally by seeing game i mean really like as hunters like Mm -hmm. we come back from a hunt and we're like did you see anything and if you're like no i didn't see anything i mean it just takes the energy and drive you know you think you're doing something wrong man with these public land bears you've got to and this honest this is what i love about it myron's i think it makes you a better hunter all across your hunting is you can't be validated by seeing game because i'll the, the times I've been successful on public land, I hunted for long periods of time without seeing anything, but then it happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bam. You know, so you're not going right. to see 10 bears. No. You're, you're going to see, you, 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 you might, might see, see one. one. Yeah. And, uh, so it, 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 it really makes you, I think it makes you a better hunter. Yeah. I think it does. It certainly makes you a more patient hunter. I think it allow it makes you trust your instincts better yeah uh when you're seeing the sign there but not seeing the critter uh you know you have a tendency to kind of doubt well maybe it's moved on or whatever but right classic example uh we went in i think it was the weekend before the season started we went in uh some of the guys and myself went in and moved to stand <laughs> one of the st- stands it was a ladder stand was in a big white oak and when we got there to move the stand, there were white oak limbs, fresh white oak limbs, busted all over, laying all over the ground. Mm. Acorn shrapnel just laying everywhere, <laughs> you know. Uh. And we got to looking, and we got to looking up in this big white oak, and yeah, there were white, there were green limbs bent over and broke yeah. up in it. Yeah. Claw marks all up and down the tree. I mean, you know, that is a classic. That's a bait site right there. Yeah. I guarantee if a guy, you know, found that yep. on public land and it was right before the season, he he could come and hunt that specific tree. 
Yeah. And it's not like they're just going to be nocturnal. Yeah. You know, bears aren't nocturnal that time of year. They're yeah. feeding every available hour they can. Yeah. So, yeah, that specific tree, if I would have found that tree on September 25th, yeah, you can bet I would have been hunting that specific tree. You know, I've seen uh, black gum like that on multiple occasions. Byron. Oh, yes. Black gum is a really big one. And a lot of people don't realize that, that yeah. black gums throw these little grape-looking berries. Yeah. And, uh, man, I tell you what, before the acorns get ripe, they will blister black gums. Yes. I mean, just blister them. Yeah. They love them. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I would have never paid much attention to black gum until I just found a couple that looked like it looked like a tornado dropped out of the sky <laughs> directly above this black gum. I mean, I, I saw one one time that I bet the bear had tore out 40% of the limbs out of that tree. I mean, mm-hmm. it had to have affected the life cycle of that tree. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was like a, it looked like a telephone pole that somebody had just, I mean, just, they'd wore it out. And I, there were eight piles of bear scat underneath that black gum. Mm-hmm. And probably every inch of the tree was at claw marks where claw they'd been marks, running up and, and down. And there was still black gum berries all in that tree. Yeah. That was on October the 3rd. Yeah. Uh, not this year. It was several years ago. But yeah. October the 3rd, they were climbing that tree like crazy. And those black gums produce a lot more mast than I thought they would. I mean. They produce a lot. I mean, if you were just to collect the amount of berries that some of them can produce i think Mm -hmm. we'd be pretty surprised and the cool thing about black gum too is that you know you might get on a white oak flat and there might be 150 white oaks within 100 yards of you i don't Mm -hmm. know black gum are are not gonna necessarily grow in groves like that no like they'll just be like and i'm not saying there won't be three or four together Mm -hmm. but they're don't seem to be as concentrated. So no. if you find one that's really good, oh yeah, it they can be good. Yeah, I inadvertently on a piece of property that I hunted several years ago, I had inadvertently put a bait barrel right next to a big mature black gum. Mm. And while I was baiting, you know, a couple of weeks prior to the season, this was back when it opened October one. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I noticed that man, they're just tearing up this tree. And then it just <laughs> dawned on me to look up. Oh, that's a big black oak. They're, they're, and yeah, threw berries that year. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were eating more out of the tree than they were out of the barrel. Wow. So wow. it's, uh, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, black gum species, if you look across the landscape in the late summer, real early fall, just prior, to, you know, in late, or well, I'd say early to mid-September, Look across the landscape and some of those very first trees you see that are starting to turn red mm. are black gums, mm. gum trees. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you... They turn a little earlier. They turn a little earlier than they just hold about their berries. anything else. Yep. They, they'll hold their berries after their leaves are gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. For, sometimes. Oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, they'll stay on there for a good while if the bears don't strip them all out. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're scouting public land or something like that and it's mid-September, you know, and you start to see a few trees kind of start turning, take notice of the ones that are starting starting to turn red or orange. And they can be big, too. Oh, yeah. They, they can, can be, be huge trees. I mean, I mean they can you're be. talking about 20-inch, you know, diameter yeah. on a lot of these big mature gum trees one time 
Myron, I, I've never done it. I've it's I've I've wanted to do it, but to shoot a bear out of a tree. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. one time, that, that, I've actually only seen with my eyes one time in Arkansas a bear climb a white oak, but it was uh, it, I think it was twenty seventeen, and uh, I was sitting kind of on this kind of on the top of this ridge, and so you know the ridge dropped off pretty quickly on both sides of me. And so I was, you know, if you were just looking out straight, you were seeing the tops of oak trees mm-hmm. about 50, 60 yards away. You know, things closer, you could see the whole trunks. Well, I'm sitting there, and I hear what sounds like a 200-pound gray squirrel <laughs> scratching on the bark of a tree. Mm-hmm. And I look over there, and above the horizon rises this bear. And you know you know how they climb. Mm-hmm. I mean, they use their front legs and push down, and they kind of jump and catch the tree. And man, he just comes up out of the horizon going to the top of this white oak. And I had my traditional bow and I knew he was going to be distracted. It's a great opportunity to shoot one. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was distracted up in that tree. I pretty much just grabbed my bow and just went straight towards him. And uh, I kind of, I didn't chick, I I wanted to say I chickened out. I didn't chicken out. I just, I was, if I'd had it to do over again, I would have just, not even thought and just gone. I got about 30 yards from him and started to stalk real slow. And he came down the tree about as quick as he went up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but if he had stayed up that tree, I mean, I was just going to slip right under it. I, I should have not worried about trying to be stealthy though. Cause just he was breaking. <laughs> le- he was just making a racket. And anyway, yeah. when he hit the ground, I'm about 20 yards from him. And uh, this is where bears are funny on public land in areas where they're not used to seeing people is that bear saw me and didn't spook like a deer would have like he, he saw me, but he didn't get my wind and he just started walking kind of away from me, but kind of parallel to me. And I started walking with him. I was literally walking, trying to find an opening and he would kind of crane his neck and look at me (laughs) over his shoulder and I walked with him for probably 20 yards, and he just kept getting further away from me, though. But he never just bolted, bolted and ran. ran. Now, if he'd have smelled me, I think he would have been probably. gone. Yeah. He just—he was just like, what is? what are you doing here? <laughs> but uh, no, that was a unique experience. And I, I've only seen it once, but I've, I've heard uh, – I actually heard it from a guy in Georgia uh, that that's a – I mean, I, it was just random. That was a guy from Georgia telling me that that's what they – I know why it is. Their season opens early in September. Bears ah. And so they have a lot of climbing bears because bears are only climbing these oaks before they're falling. Mm-hmm. And so our oaks are going to be falling late September to, you know, yeah. sometimes even that it differs every year, yeah. but especially the white oaks. Sometimes they'll, the year that I saw the climbing bear was actually October. I remember it was October the 1st. And so that the acorns were still holding on enough yeah. that even by then they were still climbing. I think that's pretty rare usually they're falling a little bit usually before by mm, second to third week or so of september's typically right sometimes it'll be the fourth week that's what you hope yeah. for yeah <laughs> and those guys in georgia with a september bear season they they are hunting these bears like squirrels yeah i mean they make a ton of racket when they climb yeah, those they trees do. But, they do you can imagine i mean 
you know how much racket a gray squirrel makes when they're running <laughs> around in the bushes imagine if they're up there breaking branches and breaking climbing up tree and limbs down. as big <laughs> yeah. as your wrist climbing <laughs> up and down the uh tree and uh, a friend of mine was on a stand a couple of years ago he had he'd shot a bear on our lease and he just went out bow hunting deer the next morning and uh, he said yeah i was sitting there and i heard this awful racket back behind me and i looked back behind me about 100 yards and it was a young bear running up and down the tree he'd run up one he'd be up there a while and he'd come down he'd go up the next one he'd be there a while and he'd come down and yeah so they're incredibly agile in trees oh yeah incredibly agile but amazing well myron hey thanks a ton for coming and talking with me it's my pleasure always glad to talk bear man i could have this conversation with somebody (laughs) like you all the time we always talk about something different you know the last podcast we did we talked about bears but i think we covered a whole bunch of new stuff this time biology stuff uh yeah this is kind of the behind the scenes kind of bear talks yeah yeah, it's good well i really appreciate it myron glad to be here thanks for having me keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.